Washed Up Emo sponsors New Belgium Brewing are celebrating their 30th anniversary as a company. To celebrate, they're releasing Wild Ride Amber IPA, a happy tribute to their iconic fat tire. Even better, New Belgium Brewing are giving away bikes and gear all year. Find out more information by visiting newbelgium.com. Do you ever wonder if your favorite band is emo? Tired of being in the same conversation with friends? Not knowing if you're listening to post-hardcore, screamo, emo revival, emo emo violence, even ska. We're We're here here to to help. help. The Emo Council is here staffed and ready for any question you may have. Hey, Emo Council, just wondering if Green Day was considered an emo band. Thanks. Green Day is not an emo band. Okay. From the creators of Washed Up Emo, isthisbandemo.com offers the definitive answer to the only important question of your day. Hey, is this been emo? Forgive me for running off the fine the one thing I have to do Welcome to the Washed Up Emo Podcast, uh, part two of the Braid Podcast. We have Chris Broach, guitarist, singer for Braid, who's also a member of the Firebird Band, which are amazing, Lespero and Bright Lights, and also is part of the Holiday Park Commercial Music Company. Chris, welcome from Chicago. Welcome to the Washed Up Emo Podcast. Hey, thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Cool. Um, very simple. Um, who got you into music? Who gave you the first record? Who got you on this train? You know, um, well, so, so, okay. That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I think, you know, when I think about who got me on, on the train that I'm on now, right? So like where I'm, where sort of the, where I was headed in, in, in music, sort of when I was playing in braid or whatever, that's a different answer than who got me into music, right? So who got me into music initially, I think, is probably my parents, right? They, they listened to a lot of music when I was growing up. And, you know, my, they, were, they were ex-hippies. You know, I mean, like, they, they you know, my dad dodged the draft. And, <laughs> and my mom, uh, you know, he, he, was a, he was a chemistry student, and he kept getting deferrals because he was in a Ph.D. program. And so he, they kept getting it, and then uh, he... He um, would stay up all night drinking and, and literally taking salt shakers and eating salt so that when he would go in for his, uh, his um, draft, uh, to, to get his physical for his draft, that his blood pressure would be too high. That's amazing. So he, yeah, so that's how he did it. And he made himself, uh, he, he was able to skip it for uh, physical because he failed the physical. Now his brother did the same did the same thing, but a little bit different. His brother starved himself, so he, he'd be underweight. So they're both pretty pretty uh, anti, you know, uh, establishment. 
yeah, <laughs> if you will. And so, so they, you know, my dad was always a, a big music fan, right? I mean, anything from, you know, he had Hendrix records and and uh, the Beatles, of course, and, and all that stuff. And that stuff was played, you know, often enough when I was growing up, uh, the Doors even and stuff like that. And, and then, um, you know, later on, I think, so that was sort of like growing up, it was kind of always around, but not, you know, not, not like, oh, they were these hippies or whatever. Because my dad's like, you know, pretty straight-laced dude now. I mean, he, he he's a chemist, you know what I mean? So it's not like he's walking around like a hippie all day. But, uh, but uh, so, so long story short, I guess that was probably what sort of had me, you know, I was like, oh, this, this is cool stuff. You know, I, I just, I just enjoyed it. And that's actually why sometimes I just, always go back to that. I mean, I didn't really start, like, when I realized I was really into music, what really got me into to music beyond, like, oh, that song was kind of cool on the radio when I was, you know, 8 or 10 or 12, was skateboarding. I mean, I, I was skating around, and my friend showed me this, that I was, I think I was in 6th grade or maybe 7th grade. Um, well, Okay, let's let's backtrack for a second because now I'm actually going to tell you what happened. <laughs> Fifth grade, I got I got really into rap music, right? So I I I had like every Fat Boys, nice MC, Beastie Boys. Um, you know the License to Ill tape came out around when I was in sixth grade, maybe or fifth grade. Um, and Cool Mo D, uh, you know all those all those old like LL Cool J back when he was LL Cool J before he did the call don't call the comeback right um and uh i mean i was really into that stuff because i was really into break dancing too like like because i loved all like beat street and all those uh, uh breaking one or you know beat street what is it uh electric boogaloo what is that beat street or, or breaking two i can't remember anyway so this is a long i'm going on a way i love it no this is that that's, that's why we have the podcast <laughs> but but really where where I, where really what happened was I was skateboarding, and, and this is where it, it sort of music just really turned a corner for me. Right, I realized, holy shit, I've never heard anything like this in my life. This is amazing, right? Because before this, I was listening to, to all that rap music, and then like White Snake and Bon Jovi and all this other stuff that I was in that junior high dances dancing to. You know what I mean? And trying not to have an erection while I was standing too close to a girl. You know what I mean? <laughs> Because I was in seventh grade, you know? I yes. mean, it was like, oh, I get to stand next to a girl. This is awesome. <laughs> this you is know? awkward. And, yeah, and, and I was wearing, like, you know, Vision Streetwear pants that were, like, sweatpants, basically. So it's not like you couldn't tell, you know? Those are, those are still cool, though. I'm sorry. I like those. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I don't think I could get away with it now. But <laughs> I would, you know? So, so I started skiing skateboarding around and my friend gave me this minor threat tape right i probably was in seventh or eighth grade maybe sixth grade i don't remember but he gave me a minor threat tape and it was out of step and i literally like that it, that changed my whole view I, I was just like what is this this is the best and i would sit so then from then on it was like minor threat dead kennedy's uh um Green Day, you know, before Green Day was Green Day, right? Back with like Kerplunk and all, and 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 uh, two thousand hours or two thousand what was that song? Two thousand light years. One thousand thirty nine, right? I I I can't remember. Yeah, some thousand something, right? Yep. So, uh, and 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 that stuff, and then there was Bad Religion, right? And and Peg Boy, and uh, and and all these bands, and, and 
I, it just introduced me to this whole new world of music. And it was this kid who lived down the street from me who's just like, check out this band, you know, and I, and I got it and just started, you know, literally I'd be skating in my front yard, blasting Minor Threat out of my, like, boombox, right, that I used to blast rap on while I played basketball in the front yard two years earlier, right? I'd be blasting, like, Cool Modi, right? Or uh, what's that, oh, man, what's that one, uh, who's that one guy who sang, basketball is my favorite sport. I love the way they dribble up and down the court. I like to pick and roll. I like to give and go. That one, I can't remember. I'm the worst rapper in the world. I like to rap, like, old rap, but I suck so bad my fiance makes fun of me so much. Curtis Blow. Curtis Blow, yeah. Curtis Blow. So, you know, two years earlier I was blasting that, and now all, all of a sudden I'm blasting minor threat in my front yard and making skate ramps, and then the neighbors are probably hating life. <laughs> So this was this was in this was outside of Chicago or was this? I was I was growing up in in a northwest suburb called Wheeling. Got it. Yeah, it was it was northwest of Chicago, probably about I don't know about a forty five minute drive into, into downtown from there. It's so funny that you you having that sort of experience of like minor threat because so many people on the podcast it's it's Jawbreaker it's Fugazi it's you know Discord it and it's just funny the punks the sort of punk hardcore that was sort of both and i think artists uh in this genre kind of they jumped into hardcore or they jumped into punk um and to have minor threat be that first thing that kind of turned that is such a yeah. great opening um i mean it was and and honestly it set the bar too i mean because you you really can't i mean i still i even recently have been listening to that record uh, because I'm just like, this is such a, it's like, you know, the minor threat, 20, I don't know how many songs, but the, the discography, right? So, uh, I, you know, I think I've probably bought that record like, you know, six times because I lose it or I lose the tape and, you know, I, I have an out-of-step, you know, uh, uh, LP, which is cool. And I actually had a minor threat um, bottled violence t-shirt, right? Um, nice. Just, just, you know, back in the day, it was... And, I, I eventually, I think I threw it away in college because I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not into hardcore anymore. I'm, I'm different. I like different music. And I was like, fuck, now I look back, I'm like, why did I throw that shirt away? Oh, you know? that's crazy. And you, you know they weren't selling it. Some, someone at, at some record store had made that shirt or whatever. Totally, but yeah. Anyway, but so, so what, the other thing for me that was really big was, so, so that, that was right, that was the biggest thing. That's what happened. I, I got into that stuff. People showed me this music, and I was like, holy shit, this is great, right? So then I, I went to high school, right? And I was kind of, you know, dicking around, playing in bands, skateboarding with my friends. And, uh, and, and so my other friend, this other friend of mine, would always make me these mixtapes, right? So I got into, like, New Wave, and so, like, The Cure was what, like, so I started getting into New, new Wave also in, like, uh, um, you know, like Depeche Mode and all that stuff. Because I, I went to high school in 90 to 94, so that stuff was pretty big, you know. And uh, I love that stuff, right? So I started getting into that stuff. And um, so I forgot what I was going to tell you. Oh, so because so my friend worked at a record store, and I could skate over to the record store, and there was a record store right like right across my neighborhood, right? So I'd skate down to the record store, and I'd be like, hey, Angel, his name's Angel Adesma. He lives here in the city. He plays in some bands. One, his, he has a cool band actually called Aya. It's A-double-L, 
and then A with the accent over it. In Spanish, it means sort of like over there or whatever, allá. So anyway, they're a great band. That's just a plug for them. Anyone, check them out if you can. But he got me into so much shit. I mean, he got me into the Smiths because he was making me these mixtapes because he was working at this record store called Hipcat Records. And so I'd go in there and be like, hey, man, Angel, what's good, man? What's good? And that's when you would go to the record store because I, it was like, you know, 89, 90, 91, 92, all the way through the, through the late 90s. That's what you did to go get records, right? So, but, but I would go in and he'd be like, hey, man, um, I think you'll like this. And, and, and this was probably 92 and he handed me a, a, a Jawbreaker 24-hour revenge therapy uh, CD, you know? And that's when I got into sort of the whole Jawbreaker and, and, and started moving outside of um, just like the punk side of it. And, and, it's, and also, you know, I was also into Depeche Mode and that stuff. But then I found this sort of other underground, right? Because some I went to high school at Wheeling High School. So Wheeling High School is also where all the guys from Captain Jazz went to school. Well, I went to school with all those guys. They were my, those guys were uh, a year older and Mike, Seller from Owen, he's a year younger, so we all grew up together. So they were playing in shows all around too. I started realizing, wow, you know, we can do, you can just play in a band, yeah, fuck it. And there's actually, you know, they put out a seven inch while we were in high school, and Tim actually brought me over. Uh, he's like, hey, you like uh, Minor Threat, right? In uh, Fugazi, and he, he's like, you know, you should check out Fugazi because it's the same singer as, as Minor Threat. I'm like, oh, really? And that's when I started getting into Fugazi, and then. Uh, he handed me a, a Nation of Ulysses CD to borrow once. And I, I, I'll tell you what, I hated it. When I first heard it, I fucking hated it. Really? I gave it back to him and, yeah, I gave it back to him like, this sucks. And then, so, I don't know how, but I, I, I went back and I, I, I just couldn't get it out of my head. And I went back and I bought the two tapes. I think there was the 13-point program to destroy America and the, uh, the one, um, whatever the other one was, right? So I, I, I bought those two tapes. I think I had them on tape, and I just, I just fell in love with those records. You know, you just, like, I don't know. My first impression was just sheer, like, this is not cool. And then I started realizing, wow, Discord Records. What yep. is Discord Records, right? I got into Lungfish. I got into, you know, all these other bands after that. It was just like a jawbox, right? Shudder to think. I mean, we were riding around in high school listening to all that stuff, and and we were so different and cool because nobody knew these bands, right? And and you had to, like, know where to get this stuff because I couldn't go online, right? I couldn't do that. I, I, I had to go to record stores. I had to go to shows. I had to find these small distros. And I was going to shows because my friends were playing shows. And they were. I didn't realize there were bands from other suburbs that were playing, that, were, that were cool also. And then some. Then all of a sudden, there this touring band that was playing. And then all of a sudden, Hoover was playing. And oh my god, I missed Hoover's play when I was like, you know, 16. What the hell? So just, just it sort of. But it was just something where it was like this. You had to be there to to understand it, right? Well. Yeah, it's just that whole thing of, you know, you, you got one record and it turned into you looking at the back of it or a friend gave you a band and it turned into 16 other bands. And and I was just thinking today I was sending songs to somebody through Spotify and it was just seconds to do it and, and searching yeah. and, and who's who and Wikipedia. And, and it was like I did have to drive 40 minutes to the store and ask the guy what was cool. And, you know, that was... You know, Hipcat Records was your Spotify, your iTunes, and everything. And 
Um, I yeah. just, I, th- I just wonder. It's just, you, I think, what if, what if I had Spotify? I was, like, I was what? Spending sixteen dollars on CDs. You yeah. Know what I mean? <laughs> Saving my allowance so I could go buy a, another. You know, The Cure had so many albums by then because they'd been around since forever, right? And so did The Smiths. So someone got me into The Smiths too, right? And so I was, I was just like, whenever I had enough money, I'd buy another Smiths album or another Cure album or another Discord album, or try this band on Discord, or my friend had this Discord band, and so, oh, you know what, I want to get that one, you know? And hopefully someone had a catalog, because if you had a catalog... Yeah, then you're, you're set. You know? Yeah, all those, I mean, the catalog stuff, and you would look, okay, well, they toured with this band, or they're on the same ad, I'm going to buy it. And I, I think, this is mentioned a few times, I mean, you would listen to the whole damn thing. Over yeah. and over again, and that's yeah. so unheard of now. It's one song. It's 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 five minutes later, and oh, I you know I listened to the record, but it's buried in my iTunes. I mean, there's records I was listening to um, from that era, and it's like track eleven. I'm like, I know every single note, and <laughs> that you, doesn't. You know, every, like seriously, you put on a record and you know every word, every word, every song. Yeah. You know, and and even even the songs that you kind of didn't like that much you ended up falling in love with because you just knew them so well. I think, I think, I think it was a different time where you could actually really fall in love with a record back then because you, you spent so much time with it, right? You spent time going to get it. You invested this money in it. You, your, your friends like it. You go to these shows and you see the shirt or you see someone talking about it and, and it gives you a, a common ground, right? To talk about outside of like, you know, like, cause, because I wasn't, you know, I mean, I did play soccer through my sophomore year, but I quit soccer so I could start, so I could really concentrate on smoking pot and skateboarding. <laughs> <laughs> and that sucked. I mean, you know, then I quit smoking pot and, and, and skateboarding just because I, I both were stupid. And, and I, I, smoking pot made me lazy, so I made me quit skateboarding. But, uh, anyway, uh, you know, I don't do that. I don't really like, like that stuff. But anyway, point is... I'm actually not very good at smoking pot. Like, if I, get, if I smoke pot, I am a wreck, dude. I have to go home. I, I'm like a paranoid person in the world. Don't ever like be like, hey, dude, you want to smoke some pot? Because I, I'll be like, no, thank you. Because awesome. I just can't. I can't do it. Um, awesome. I used to when I was in, young, but, you know, I was young. So. Anyway, so uh, a little off track, but the, you really did fall in love with records, right? Because you... you you just had it, and you'd, you'd sit there and you'd listen to the whole damn thing, the whole damn thing, and over and over again, too, you know? Yeah, I mean, there were tapes and that I, I remember there, having that were, there are tapes that I had that were, I couldn't hear the songs anymore. Right, because they were, I mean, I had the uh, repeater plus three songs or whatever uh, on a tape, right? And it was so garbled and fucked up that you'd have to go buy another tape, or your, your, tape, player, your tape player would eat it, you know? eventually just stop working i mean and that's that's the one thing that's a little different these days i think you're right it's like you you know i i can i can get music and listen to it and 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 then just bury it you know it just gets buried in in a library of music that's 200 gigs deep you know And, and you know i mean my taste since then okay listen my taste since then have have grown like exponentially right so you get into all this stuff, and, and, and for, for a long time, you, you, sit, you sit around going, this is the only thing in the world that matters. These kind of bands, and this is who I am and what I'm into, right? 
I'm into, I'm into Discord, and that's it, and I don't like anything else, and fuck pop music, and fuck this, and fuck whatever, right? But, sorry for all the swearing, I don't know if you can swear, but, <laughs> Yes, uh, we have the parental yeah. advisory, we're good. <laughs> uh, you know, so screw all that stuff, I, this is what I'm into, but now, it's like, oh, wow, I, 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 I really want to listen to some Chopin, because I really want to relax, right? So you have so much at your fingertips, and it's really sometimes difficult to, I, I sometimes have so much trouble deciding what I want to listen to, if anything. So I'll just be like, uh, just give me the radio station with this song, you know, or, or, or let me just put my iPod on shuffle. You know? well, it's like because if you walk into Amoeba without a list. I mean, yeah. that, that's how I feel it is sometimes. And I have friends that aren't, you know, they don't know as much about music and I send them stuff and they open up Spotify, they open up iTunes and they don't know what to do. And I think it's that you, the record store, I wish almost they could go to a record store and at least have someone mention something or say, oh, what are you kind of into? And then hand them something. But it's so splintered and so, uh, you know, there's no focus that I, 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 I wonder, yes, there's more people listening to music than ever, but is it easier? I think it might be easier to, to, to search and look, but I don't think it's easier to ingest and, and experience it. And I, I, I could be the old, you know, old guy, but that's, that's, how I, that's how I think it feels like now. No, no, I, I think you're right. I think when you say, like, it's easier to – I think it's easier to get at, but you have to know what you're going for. Otherwise, you're lost in a sea of, like, look, man, there is so much, everybody can put out a record now, right? I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. I think it's wonderful. And anyone can, as long as you have a digital distribution set up through CD Baby or one of, the, one of those other places, right, who cares who it is from, you get to be on iTunes, right? So, you know, anyone can do that. And so you can get lost in this sea of mediocrity, too, as well, right? So there, there's, but at the same time, there's more music around than, than ever. But So now let's, let's take a step back from that. Yes, there's more music out there now, but is there really more... Uh, are, I, I read something recently where someone said that, that, that there are... Some guy who teaches uh, music business somewhere, it was some article that I read, I think maybe uh, Glenn E. Friedman might have posted it, if you know who I'm talking about, I'm sure you do. But... Uh, he posted something about, uh, someone posted an article saying that, you know, if you don't buy music, then, oh, because that girl on NPR said she never bought music in her life and she's got 12,000 iPod songs or whatever and she's bought like six songs ever or whatever and so she was kind of bragging about it on NPR and she runs a college music radio station and all this stuff and and it was like, you know, so, so this guy went on this long, he explained this long thing about how, you know, Nowadays, there are 25% less people claiming to be musicians full-time than there were in the 70s, you know? I mean, so it's like in decline being a, being a musician because you can't make money out of it. It used to be, it used to be that, that um, you could go on tour and you'd put out an album, and that album would be the money. So this is sort of what the article was about, right? So that album would be the money. I wish I could remember what it is, and if I remember it, I'll shoot you an email or something so you can give the quote. But, but uh, it used to be like where, you know, they they put out the band would put out an album and that would sustain them, right? They'd be able to live off that, and then then they tour because they had money coming in from from the album sales. Well, now 
if you don't tour, you can't make a, a dime. And and there are very few people that that can that can just get up and go, you know, and and go on the road. And it's different now going on the road than it was then too. I mean, it must be easier. I mean, I I I can't imagine that it's harder. We had some you know hard times back then, but uh, but there's also more to do. Um, you know, I think there's more to do with, you know, touring. I mean, you need to, someone needs to update stuff. You need to have the venue know, you need to promote it. It's like a, it isn't just send your ad mat and your logo and the flyer goes up at the record store and 200 kids show up. Um, right. That's, that's, that's gone. That's very true. I mean, look, every single show that we ever played in our hometown, Braid, whether it was playing in Champaign, we lived down there or Chicago, I was out on the street for weeks before the show flyering, just putting flyers up. And now that's, that's like a thing of the past. You don't even need to do that. You just need to have a kick-ass online presence. And uh, Because, first of all, which record stores are you going to go to? There's like two in uh, yeah, there's a, there's a few in Chicago, right? Reckless Records at two locations in Chicago, maybe three. Um, and, and the people that go there... You know, they're not going there because they want to see what bands are playing. They probably already know because they're already online catching it. You know what I mean? From everywhere. So it's it, it's a different monster nowadays. It's 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 it seems like less work, but I think it's I feel like it must be more work because you've got to have a presence on Facebook and on Twitter and on fucking even MySpace. Still, you know, is what. You know, I, someone's telling me, someone was telling me recently, like, you still have to have that because it has, you know, great SEO. And I'm like, you know, please don't talk to me like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> please, let's just, let's talk about, you know, what we're going to do to, to to make us write a fun record. You know, <laughs> you know I, what I, I mean? I, I think like, it's, it feels like at a certain point, you know, do you do it for what reason? You know, and, and this... Uh, it was funny, the, the podcast, you know, I just did it because I felt the voice needed to be heard and people were sort of gravitating to it. I feel like people need to, like, they think, oh, I'm going to be in a band and I'm going to put it up on, you know, I'm going to put it up on SoundCloud, I'm going to have all this stuff, and then we're going to get all these fans, and maybe that does happen, maybe it is instant. And I think they kind of forget, like, you could have the best merch, you could have, a, you could have your parents buy you a van, but if you suck, no one's going to see you. And so well, I think... Well, well, that, that's the truth. I mean, that, that's, that's totally the truth, obviously. You, you've got to be able to play live. And, and I mean, but you can get... A, bands, I think, you can get away more. And, and I think you have to be more strategic these days, right? Back when we were touring full-time, I mean, look, 1998, like, if now, now I'm like, okay, let me tell you kids how it was, right? 98, we were on the road nine months. Great. We are on the road nine months. And... That was the roughest year of my life, but also the best year. You know what I mean? Um, I also think it might have led to the demise of the band because we were living with each other in a van for fucking nine, excuse my language, for nine months. And it was just, it was insane. It was insane. And, and, and I, you, know, you know, we didn't, I, I heard someone else talking about this on one, I listened to one of your other podcasts. I told you that before we started, but talking about the fact that, um, you know, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have laptops. We didn't have, I mean, we didn't have pagers. Nobody even had pagers. Yeah, you know no, one I mean? had, no one had a pager yet. It was 98. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so for us to go on tour, we would make phone calls. You'd have to find the kid who does shows. And then 
because we, you know, we didn't have a booking agent. Todd, basically, our, our bass player, did all the booking, most of it anyway, unless Bob and I had a connection somewhere and someone wanted to hook us up with a show, right? And half the time, you didn't even know what you were going to get paid when you got there. You didn't have a guarantee, right? So you'd hope that, that a lot of people came out. And luckily, back then, the scene was really vibrant and, and really alive. So kids came out in droves, right? I mean, granted, there were those shows where you had you know, you'd be like, you'd play one night in, in Philly and you'd have, you know, 300, 400 or, you know, 600 kids out. And then you'd play some fest in Louisville with, you know, 1,500 people. And then you'd play normal, normal Illinois, like some small town in Illinois, to, to 30 kids in a basement. And and it was still awesome, but sometimes that, that shit really ate, ate at you. You know, it'd be like, God, you know, just the inconsistency uh, of that, and and that's a hard life to live. It's a hard life. It's a hard thing to do, especially when you don't have a cell phone. And you know, you know what I mean. I mean, we we had those dialers back in the day, right? Those illegal dialers where you would it had the tone where you put it up next to the phone, and, and and the phone would think you were putting quarters in it, and and you just put you'd just be able to call whoever you wanted, right? And so that was how we got around. Um, we had a dialer for a while. Um, just because one of the guys who was touring with us had it, like we did, we weren't illegal like that. But, but I mean, you know, you tour to every fest. Detroit Fest was like one of the biggest fests back then, right? Um, there were all these other fests that you'd go to, and, and but it would be like it'd be us, you know, Braid, the Get Up Kids, and then you'd have like uh, shit, man. Like Earth Crisis is playing. Like we played a show one time with Earth Crisis, Snapcase, and Refuse, and Braid. And then, you know, and, and that was just, and then one time with Spaz and the Get Up Kids, you know, Spaz, the Get Up Kids, and Monster X. That was in New York at CBGB. Oh, wow. Well, well, that's funny. I mean, that goes into my next question. It's like that relationship with those other bands in the scene, because I came from like more of a hardcore, I think I may have mentioned that. I mean, I came from more of a hardcore band phase and got into post-hardcore and then into emo. And so... The hardcore bands would play like that. That that show seemed normal. You would, everyone would go. And oh it would, yeah. It would be totally fine. And I think there was this whole thing of you need to have a genre and you need to have the tour and everyone needs to have breakdowns and and everyone you know has you know whatever look. And I still think as a kid you liked Earth Crisis, you liked Braid, and you actually dug Quicksand, and, you know, the, like, you were into all those yeah. bands, and you, it was okay, yeah. it was like a fest tour, um, and I, I don't know if, I'm sure that those are happening, um, I don't go to as many shows, but I'm sure that that's happening, but it just seems, then, it seems so different, like, Braid and Earth Crisis, it seems fine to me, but if you tell a kid now, that a vegan straight edge hardcore band is playing with an indie, you know, alternative emo band. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> uh, and and it, it and the thing is, it wasn't always that comfortable. I mean, you you I look back on it fondly, like yes, we could do the and at the festivals it was it was great, right? But I remember getting to that show in New York, and this is sort of sort of when emo the name emo was kind of starting to really take its teeth, right, sink into people, and we, we had just done a European tour with the Get Up Kids, I think, and or, and they were touring with us in the States, and, and you know, we toured with them, and so we got, we were billed as, like, it was like Spaz, Monster X, and some other shitty hardcore band, right, I don't remember the name, so that's why I say that, but but then there was like Braid, the Get Up Kids, and oh, and Ethel Meserve, that band Ethel Meserve from, uh, 
Yeah. And uh, and so they were playing with us, and it was like, oh, some crappy emo band from Illinois, and then it, underneath Braid, and then it said underneath Get Up Kids, another wretched emo band. And it wasn't because the club made that flyer. It was because someone who was a fan of one of the hardcore bands had made that flyer, and they just hated emo. So it was really a funny show because, like, everybody paid for it, right? Everybody paid to go see the show. But, like, it was, like, hardcore band, emo band. Hardcore <laughs> band, emo band. Like, back and forth. So, like, half the crowd would just take off and stand outside in the front, and the other half would come yep. in. It, it was just, you know. And then you'd get a little bit of cross-pollination, right? But not always. And, and sometimes it was a little tense. I mean, it, it, yeah, I, I'll say it, there was a little tension there, especially when you get to a show where you're, where you're like being made fun of on the flyer. I mean, <laughs> that's that's hard to deal with. But then bit, also, yeah. it's it's the you know the band sometimes like may have liked you, but then they didn't want to feel that they liked you because it was a different you know you had to be tough and cool. But I I, right. I think you know you probably totally right. You get to that. I mean, I remember leaving CBs or whatever whatever band. I mean, you'd come back in for the other one, and uh, it just such an interesting back and forth. But you still were on the same show. Um, and I think right. it, that's the, you're still the same show. It still came from the same sort of pot. Um, and well, and, and, and it was, I mean, I think, you know, you, you look at like, there's bands like Braid, the, the bands like us from, from the Midwest, right? There was Braid, there was the Promise Ring, you know, like Braid, I think was like a little, a little more heavy than some of the, the Promise Ring stuff and Get Up Kids and stuff, right? But then you had Braid and you had some other bands from the Midwest, right? And, and then you had all these bands. There was the San Diego sort of scene, right? There was the L.A. scene. There was the New York scene, which is usually pretty, you know, a lot of hardcore stuff, right? Boston there was had the, the hardcore. What's that? Boston? Boston? Yeah. And then you had Florida, which was like, you know, hot water music, right? I mean, if you if you went to Florida, you were try, you tried to play with hot water music. And, you know, of course, we did back in the day. Those guys were, we played with them. They played with us. It was fun, right? And then you had Jimmy World coming around, who kind of, fit in with the Midwest sound but was a little more pop and so they never really fit in with the whole emo thing. Then you had this Texas sound, which was sort of San Diego quick attack, but it was more at the drive in, right? So then you had at the drive in and you'd have these great shows where it was like, you know, Braid at the Drive In, uh, Quick Attack at Howie uh, and, and all these crazy bands uh, um, um, you know it, it, it was just a crazy time for music. I, I, I feel lucky to have been able to do that stuff because it was, that's, those were the, those were just some crazy days when, when music going to shows was like, that's what you did, man. You didn't hang out online and, and, and hang out. And, and I don't know what people do now. Honestly. <laughs> like, I heard about, my brother told me, I, I talked to my brother before I called, before you called me. He's like, yeah, I'm in a Google Hangout with with Dad and and Susie, my sister. I'm like, what are you talking about right now? Like, so I, 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 you know, I mean, you went. It's it's. I think it's wonderful and awesome. But you know, I mean, like, you would skate to the show and you'd watch the show, and then you'd drink beer and hang out with your friends. And and here's the funny thing, right? So then you've got the guys who drink, and then you've got right next to the guys who are straight edge, and you're playing the same show, and. Some people are mad at you because you're drinking, and some people don't give a shit, and some people care, and some people don't. And it was just such a mish, mishmash of people, right? 
Yeah, it was. I, I was a straight edge kid, but I liked hardcore. But I got into emo, but I still looked like a hardcore kid. So right, I had a windbreaker and I xed up, but I was at a braid show. So it was like, <laughs> <laughs> like I was caught in the middle. <laughs> right, right, and I, I, there were there were a lot of you guys. There were a lot of us. You know, there were a lot of guys like us who were walking around just hiding our beers in, in the van. You know, I mean, like. We'd be drinking in the van so that nobody would know we were drinking because it was like, oh man, if they find out we're drinking, I hope nobody gets mad at us. Here, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I think from that, like the early touring and the the hardcore thing, when emo hit, did you feel that people were turning? Were they like, oh fuck no, don't put that on the flyer? Do not. I mean, when did it turn? Because I feel it was ninety eight, ninety nine. It could have been earlier. Uh, my memories, huh? obviously you know, jaded from all those shows. And I mean, you're, you were totally right earlier about just saying it was all about the shows. That's all I did in college and, and, and high school. That was it. You just went to the show. Um, yeah. and that was like the community. It was the, it was the Google hangout, um, <laughs> with everybody. Yeah. Um, so I yeah. think when you, what did you feel that the, the term sort of turned when you were like, all right, this is bad. Bands are starting to use it for the wrong reasons. Or what was the turning point? Look, man, it's just, so I still hear people use that word, right? Uh, on on um, like you'll hear like a, oh man, you'll you'll hear it. I don't know if it's still happening, but it is I still happening. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I remember seeing like, you know, uh, um, I can't even tell you what any of those shit bands are, but that as soon as, as soon as emo became eyeliner and 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 weird, weird, um, uh, like clothes yeah but no i'm trying i'm trying to um what's that that vampire movie that everybody loves twilight twilight as soon as yeah sorry <laughs> i, I, I like that you know what though chris i like that it, it took you a minute to learn that because i had why why did i know it instantly i i think it's great that you didn't <laughs> even know it <laughs> i it's it's i just you know i try i tried to watch a, a twilight i never read any of it you know my fiance of course my fiance, of course, loved it because she was, you know, younger, and she's a little bit younger than me, just like six years or whatever. Yeah. So no big, but, but uh, she's six years old. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, no, six years younger than me. But so she grew up, you know, kind of reading those books and loves it. But you know, it got weird. I think around '98, '99, people started using the term, and then I started hearing it on the radio. Yes, right? it freaked oh, me here's out. An, here's an emo band. And then I would hear it in movies and on TV. And, and, and I, I feel like I still almost hear it sometimes in movies or on TV. And it's like, what? Because we used to run around sort of like, I mean, I, my brother had a, had a car, the license plate. This was in, he was in high school, right? I mean, so this was like 94, you know, 95. He had, he had a car that, that his, the license plate was Emo 11, right? He wanted it to say Emo 1, but they said it's he fucked it up and it said emo 11 my other friend this guy eric who played in the firebird band for a while and he was in joan of arc he in high school had a had a, a car with with the license plate emo core right are you so, kidding me tell me there's photos of these no i wish i wish um but it, it was like uh but back then it was you know it it meant like you know to me to us back then emo was like was the, the term, you know, I, I mean, even back then, I think, you know, people like Ian McKay and stuff were like, what are you guys talking about, right? Yeah, they you know had no what? idea, yeah. Yeah, 
but people, we, I liked it because it described what it, what it meant. Emo was short for emotional hardcore, right? Yep. That's what we called it, emotional hardcore, and that's where the term emo came from. So when people would be like, well, what kind of music are you into? I'm like, well, you know, it's like, it's, it's, you wouldn't know what to say, really. And you'd be like, well, kind of, you know, this emo stuff, it's emotional hardcore, right? So you'd have to explain it. And then, and then all of a sudden it, it became dudes with eyeliner with the tightest pants wearing black and weird haircuts and stuff. And it was like, all of a sudden emo was like goth. Because goth, when I was growing up, that's what goth looked like. Yeah, know? that was that was the thing I I noticed. I mean, it, I I blame Fallout Boy. I'm sorry. I'm sure they're great guys. I blame them, and <laughs> I think it's they it, they they were the catalyst. I feel like, you know, they were the band that got big when maybe other bands should have, and you know, Boy Sets Fire should have been big, not whatever. But they, I think them and having the eyeliner and at MTV and all those things, it just it hit a moment yeah. and I think that's when the site started. I mean, 07 was like, I was like, I can't take this anymore. I can't take people calling yeah. it this. And yeah. well, you start hearing it on the radio and you're like, what are you talking about? It, it, it's really the same thing that happened to punk. Yep. It's the same thing that happened to quote unquote alternative music. I mean, as soon as you start hearing the word alternative on the radio, you're like, well, it's no longer alternative anymore, is it? Yeah. Right? There, it's, it's, there, there's it's a the damn mainstream. serious channel right? called it. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not alternative to what, right? It, it, it used to be alternative to the mainstream, and now it's not, right? So uh, it, it's, it's interesting. I mean, you know, I grew up when, when alternative was still a sort of a cool term in high school, right? You were like into alternative or new wave, and then emo kind of hit, like, like, but it only hit, like, us, right? The kids who were in the middle of, like, and that meant like Fugazi and, and and Hoover and all those other bands. Like they were like to us emo, right? But to them, they might have just been doing whatever. I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I you know, I've gone on to meet those, some of those guys and become friends with some, you know, some of those guys that I, that were like my heroes back in the day, which is cool, right? But uh, but you you, I don't know what they were calling it. You know, we were calling it emo. You know, and then and then as soon as like you kind of like get sick of hearing it that's when people started saying it, right? And that was around 90s, people started putting emo band. And I was like, oh, just don't listen to emo band because we're not an emo band. We're, we're just a band, you know what I mean? Like, and then, uh, and then you know, Jimmy World broke, I think, in what, 2000 maybe, or, or 99, whatever it was. 99, yeah. Yeah, and they broke, and it was like, that was it. That's, I think, when emo, that's, I think, when the word emo got big because it was like an emo band. This is what an emo band should be. Is that because that's what people could latch on to because it was mainstream and like this is emo. And then it got all weird in the mid two thousands where it was all weird and, and strange. But um, I, you know, and what's funny is I'm making fun of like people wearing eyeliner and and all this stuff. Yet I was in the Firebird band and I still am. Actually, we're doing a record now too as well. <laughs> but uh, uh, and and I I wore plenty of eyeliner and walked around with the fur coat on in the summertime and. <laughs> and all that other stuff because we you know we, i think for for me for with that stuff i think it was just i wanted to differentiate myself from what i had done before right and i had always grown up loving new wave and goth and that stuff too and so you know uh, that was sort of like me sort of melding the the my my love for that with with you know my the way I play music and with drum machines and and my like like my early hip hop love too right so well like it totally it totally rap. makes sense it totally makes sense the hip hop the cure 
Um, you know, the yep. punk part, you've wanted to yep. be, it totally makes, it totally makes sense. And I think too, with, with the Firebird band, I feel like that was sort of your other musical love inside wanting to like, that was, I feel like what, what, what came out of it. Um, right. Right. And it's still and, and, there. Yeah. I mean, it is. And, and, and that's, that's really sort of one of the things that, and so it's funny though, right. But, but I wasn't at that time walking around, that wasn't emo, you know, that was like, we were doing something fresh and new, right? I thought, you know, because we were, you know, incorporating drum machines and synths and all that stuff. And now, now everybody's doing it, which is great. I, I'm, I'm happy because like, oh, well, hopefully, you know, you know, maybe we had an influence on that. Maybe we didn't. I, I mean, you know, it, I think that a lot of people had an influence on that. We weren't the only band doing that, but you know, you, you can't really, uh, discount Radiohead for the influence they've had on everybody. You know? Yeah, definitely. Well, I think with, with, with you guys and, and, and Braid and let's say it's 98, 99, you're touring. I mean, you guys were nonstop. I mean, I talked about this with Bob. I mean, you guys were, it was, I can't figure out what's out because you guys have so much out. Um, and it was figuring right. out right. what records were happening and, and you guys were doing, you know, doing handshake deals and, and doing records and the sense of you guys and your motivation, I think a lot of bands took from, um, and yes, the music, but then also just the, the amount of stuff that you guys put out, um, and all the, all the, all the soundtrack or not soundtrack, all the compilation stuff and kind of, yeah. I mean, I had, I asked Bob about it. What, what was sort of your guys's drive? I mean, that's a lot of music in a short amount of time. You know what, man, we, we were just, I, we just can't be in a room together and not write a song. I mean, I, I, I mean, maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's, that's simple and, and funny sounding, but it's like, Oh, let's, uh, let's just work on a new song. You know, I mean, we, we all at one point, I think, you know, from about 96 to 98 or even 95 to 98, at least a couple of us lived together. Right. So, and then, then while we were touring that much, we all lived together in the same house um, in Champaign, or in Urbana, Illinois, excuse me, because Urbana and Champaign are two different cities that are right next to each other. But we were from Urbana, right? So, uh, uh, so we were in Urbana, and we, were, we lived in the same house, so we'd wake up together, go practice, like, hey, let's practice tonight for two hours. Let's write a new song. And then we'd write a new song, and, and we'd get a call from someone who's doing this comp, like, do you guys want to be on it? Sure, let's write a song for this comp. we just go downstairs and write a song. And it's never been difficult for... Um, Bob and I really play well together, right? So, like, we... You know, up until recently, we hadn't played together in a long time, right? We, so the way that we... So, you know, we're doing, you know, we're, we're doing a few shows soon, right, in August. And... Um, and we're right. We're actually working on a new record now. And sort of the, the impetus for that was I'll, I'll kind of let me just take it back to there, right? So the way we started that was we were DJing together. I don't know if he talked about this at all, but we were DJing together like uh, uh, every Wednesday night for about a year at this place. He invited me to come DJ with him and do sort of an emo night like you're doing, right? So we were playing like '90s emo and indie rock and. Well, I started bringing in Arches of Loaf and a little more of the, the indie rock because I was a little, I was always a little more into the indie side of things than the emo-ish. If you if you have to come, I mean, it, it's funny because emo to me has a little bit of a negative connotation now, right? 
and, 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 you know, I think of a band that's emo and it makes me think, oh man, I don't want to hear them. You know what I mean? But, but, so, so the, there are specific kinds of, there was always the different kinds of emo, right? There's emo, there's like the, the dreamy emo, like, like Mineral or Sunny Day Real Estate or something, right? And then you've got, um, Screamo, which was all San Diego, right? Uh, and you've got, I mean, then, but then you would have like emo, which was, hey, Bray's an emo band, but, but I guess we are, but then the Promise Ring is emo too, and is Captain Jazz emo? Like, how are we all the same emo? You know what I mean? So it's all, it's, it's, it's always been a little different. Anyway, sorry, I'm going off tangent here, but anyway, so, uh, on a tangent, but, uh, off topic. Point is, all right, we started, we started, DJing together, we started talking about music, and, and this this was my whole point was to say that we hadn't played together in a long time. And we decided let's let's just let's just try and play together again for fun, you know. And we got together and we started playing, and it was like, huh, that still works, you know. Like we we can still write together. Like this is strange. So now we've been writing um, sort of, you know, once or twice a week. We we could come over to my house here, and we just play me and bob and we're writing a new record now because it's like you know why not we're, we, we we like playing together i don't feel like we're done we did that ep recently and that was fun to do and and now it makes me want to do an album you know i mean it makes me think about what's the next you know are we going to do this album and then let's do another album after that i can't wait you know but it's because we, we haven't been together in so long and we started playing and then all of a sudden you know we're we're able to play together and it still works really well. That's a difficult thing to be able to do, I think. I mean, that, that's four different girls all talking to each other and trying to get along in the same bathroom. I mean, it's you have to all... That's, that's something special. And I think you guys, through the years of seeing you guys live and putting out all that music, you sort of saw it. And I'm, I don't want to put any sort of bands on top of whatever that are around now that have been around for so many years, but there's something to it. And I think there go through changes and there's member things, but you guys coming back and doing this, I think means a lot to people um, that are listening um, that you are still making music because that's all we want. That's all that, that whatever our, you know, that time frame. that's, it's, it's like, and I think for you guys too, it's, it's easy now to let's put out a record. Let's put it on. Maybe it's only online. Maybe there's a limited EP and a seven inch and it's it's there and it's out there and people can enjoy it. It's not like you need to, you know, tour for nine months out of the year. No, and and honestly, and we can't, right? I mean, we just, <laughs> well, you have six cats. I, you can't. <laughs> I have six cats, right? I, I have I have a, a car payment. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm I'm about to have a mortgage payment, and uh, you know, emo's growing up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're all we're all we're all grown up now. I'll tell you though, it's it's um, if if we could do it and 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 make a, a living at doing it again, like I would be into it. But it's like, you know, there's just I don't really want to like and don't take this the wrong way, you or anyone else listening. I just don't want to put that much effort in. I want to do it how like I want to write music and enjoy myself, and then get up on stage and play some shows sometimes. And if people want to come out and see it, awesome. And you know what? If it means that we do ten shows a year, I'm fine with that. As long as as long as we're having fun doing it. As soon as it becomes not fun, that's when it'll that's when it'll be done. You know, 
I think that's what happened in 99 when we originally broke up. It, it became not fun anymore. And that's, but then the funny thing is we do that reunion tour in 2004, and it's because I think all of us just, you know, I was telling this guy earlier, I was talking to this guy who, who I told you I was doing an interview earlier, right? I was talking to this guy, and he was talking about, you know, um, how, uh, you know, playing music, right? We grew up, like, I, I was not a very good guitar player when I joined Braid, right? And I, I, and I would by no, in no way, shape, or form say I'm an excellent guitar player. I play guitar like I play guitar. But I'm much better than I was at 17, I'll tell you that. Uh, but, but, you know, Bob, Bob, you know, I was 17 when I joined the band, right? So Bob was, um, uh, he's a guitar player as well, but he's originally a drummer, right? So he's, we, we were both learning how to play guitar at the same time. And, and really learning how to be good, get better at playing guitar. So we really grew up, we had the same um, influences, right? Really the very similar influences. And, and, you know, with, you know, the odd, you know, got it by voices thrown in here for Bob, which I, you know, I could really take or leave, you know. And, you know, uh, for me, I, I, they're okay, I, they're fine. Um, and, and then for me, you know, I like the doors and he probably would kill me, you know, if I had that on <laughs> Right. But but my whole point is this, is that we started playing guitar together, like, really a lot, all the time. And we really grew together, right? So it's that's why when we get together and play, it's so easy, I think, because I can see what he's going to do next, and he can see what I'm going to do next. And, and if, if, if I have an idea, he gets it right away. You know what I mean? He has an idea, I get it right away. And, and then when we're all together, it's even better. I mean, right now, the way we're writing it is Bob and I are putting together these skeletons of songs that are just some parts put together, and here's sort of this song. And then we're going to get everybody together and have them all come together and, and uh, you know, put their own mark on it. And make, you know, the songs will never be finished until everybody puts their hand on it anyway. And they may be totally different than what we do now. But it's because we all learned how to play together. I mean, and that's that's really why we know each other and why we want to play together still. Because it's like you know, yeah, you can say like, oh, let's let's get back together and 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 just you know, hopefully you know, like we'll we can you know relive relive our our past or whatever, right? And it, and it's really not that at all. It, it's more like I want to play music with my friends who I know how to play music with. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so. Well, it's it's too. I mean, there's. I call 2012 the year of the reunion. Everyone's playing Promise Ring, you know, Refused. They're all they're all back. Whatever the time frame is from this 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 specific little time frame that we all are enjoying and to have it happen now, I don't think is a bad thing. I think um it's it's totally fine and if people say it's for the money, if people say it's for whatever, but to see, you know, um, you know, Dan from the Promise Ring play, you know, um, uh, those songs, and just you see the joy, and you see them enjoying it. That, yeah. and it, they could totally be pulling the wool over my eyes, but I'm sorry, I see them enjoying it, and it's like, why not? Why not come back and do it, do it for a minute? And if kids come out, we're, we're, I feel like there's, this is like the babysitter phase. Like everyone's old enough where they maybe have kids, they have a job, they got a little scratch to pay and they're going to come out and they're going to buy the merch and they're going to remember. And I think because it's easier then it was easier. And I think for you guys, it's that same feeling. It's, I want to remember those, 
those tours or those drives where we were laughing the whole time or writing songs yeah. in, in five minutes. And so even though well, it is, it's, yeah, it just seems like it's it, it's a totally great time to do it. Well, and there's there's no pressure really either, yeah. right? Because there's no expectation that, you know, I mean, that's not to say that, that we won't do, you know, festivals or some other shows. Cause we, you know, we're doing some of that stuff, but it's really just because we can right now. Why, why not? Why not do it right now while we can and, and have some fun with it and, and whatever, right? You know what? Like, I, I want to write a new record. Fuck it. I always want to write a new record. I mean, every, I want to write a new record every day. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's ever going to stop happening. You know what I mean? I mean, with, you know, Braid or whoever else. I mean, you know, the Firebird Band's working on a new album too now. And so, you know, that, that kind of stuff is, is just, that's just sort of ingrained in you, right? And, you know, if we were looking to cash in, man, I wish it was 1982. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, right. Because, <laughs> I mean, people would people would buy the records, and then and then, you know, and and you'd have you know people out of the shows. But it, it certainly isn't, right? You know, it's it's shit. That's 30 years ago now. Holy fuck! <laughs> I know. Well, I, it's... Or, or 92. You know what I mean? Like, well, I mean, what's 90... scary is my interns are born in 1990. So if you want to get. <laughs> That's yeah, good. well, listen, I have a sister who's 11 years younger than me, and, and you can do the math, but she was born in 87. So there, there you go. I mean, it, it's, uh, you've got, it's, it's just an interesting thing these days born in the 90s. You know, I mean, you, you, you've got a lot, it's just, things are just different, you know. I mean, and, and, it's, and it, it's for the better or for better or worse, they're just different, you know. And I don't want to be the old guy going, oh, man, in my day, blah, 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 this was so cool, and we, we got to go to shows and whatever. But, man, in my day, we did get to go to shows, and it was kick-ass. <laughs> and you know what? There was, a, there was a huge community around shows, and there was a huge community of people where I knew if I was going to any city in this, in this country, any city, I could sleep on someone's couch because they were, they were there for the music. And I don't know if that's there anymore. I don't know, because, you know, maybe I don't know because I'm not 18 and just starting out a band and trying to tour constantly, right? I mean, the way that we did it was we toured constantly. But if, if, if that's still there, man, that's awesome. But I, I just, I don't know if it is, you know? I think, there, I think the other part about 2012 that I wanted to bring up was that there are labels that are sort of, these bands are, instead of following the middle 2000s, they are hearkening back a little bit later to the Minerals or the Sunny Day Real Estates or even like obscure like bands um, from that scene. And it's they're starting to sound like that. I mean, there's Count Your Lucky Stars, um, there's Top Shelf. Uh, records and it's yeah, it's yeah. it's it's interesting that it's sort of turned again where now there's another you know polyvinyl type label there's another um you know deep elm kind of label that are uh, putting out all these bands and these kids are finding out about them and sort of celebrating them and i i'd always hoped for that i always hoped that it turned around where it wasn't just referencing fallout boy and those bands um and i know that i throw them in that lump if you if i say that band you know what i'm talking about and so yeah, it's yeah. it seems interesting i think it's kind of an interesting time where not only like you might be playing with a band that grew up liking you but they're 18 and you're like you never saw us or you saw us only on youtube um and i think i, I find that really interesting now that that can happen well, you know, the, the truth is, right, so everything, you know, 
I used to tell my dad this when we were playing, right? Because he, he didn't want me to drop out of college, right? He wanted me to keep staying. I mean, I eventually finished my degree and whatever, right? But good good times. But, um, you know, he didn't want me to drop out. And I was like, look, you know, all it takes is time, Dad. Like, this stuff is, you know, everything that I listened to when I was growing up is now huge, Dad. This is like 95, right? Green Day just came out with Dookie or whatever, right? Biggest thing on earth. And it was like, okay, well, you know, just give it 10 years and you'll see. I, I promise you this stuff is going to be the next big thing, you know. And and it, and it was. I mean, you know, too bad, like, you know, we didn't get to ride that wave. I mean, you know, in, in some ways we did in, in terms of I like it, – it's really wonderful to, to, to have been a part of, a, of something that I feel like was a, a part of so many people's lives, you know what I mean? Um musically and, and and not just musically but 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 life changing right music music in itself changes people's lives i mean if i hadn't gotten that first minor thread tape i wouldn't be doing what i'm doing now you know what i mean if i if i had lived in a different place and and all i ever listened to was hip hop i'd be doing something else you know what i mean no um, it definitely shaped and and moved people and I just why do you think that I mean punk I think I didn't really think of this earlier I mean punk kind of had the same thing happen I mean it got wrecked it got stomped on and emo sort of had a smaller one emo sort of had a smaller one it didn't get killed I think punk got ruined more Well punk definitely got ruined I mean you know you had Green Day Green Day but you know they they were cool but they were doing their own thing and then they got huge and then I of course then they got really watered down and all that other stuff, right? And they did. They weren't. They weren't. I didn't like them anymore. And it was like, okay, I'm done with you guys. But and not because they sold out or whatever. They just got watered down. You know what I mean? But then you had like Blink-182 and all these other bands that were like punk, right? So in the '90s, you had that punk resurgence. You really did, where everybody was walking around with mohawks and Blink-182 chains and all this weird shit, you know? And that was called punk, right? So then in the, in the 2000s, that same look <laughs> with chains and eyeliner was called emo. They just call it different things, right? It, it, it's the same thing. Um, in, 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 but, so in the 80s, that was punk, right? Also, in the late 70s, that was punk. In, in the 80s, it was new wave, you know? In the 90s, new wave was goth, in, you know, or, or whatever. You know, it's sort of, it, it, it's all the same thing, just by a different name, and I think by a different generation. I think that's what happened. You, and, and then you have this cyclical thing, right? So you you grow up as a kid, not really... Like, I grew up listening to Minor Threat and Fugazi. All I ever wanted to do was play in a band that sounded like Fugazi. That's, you know, like Fugazi and Hoover and, and, and anything from D.C., Nation of Ulysses. That's what I was trying to do with Braid. You know what I mean? That's what I was trying to do. I mean, I'm not, I'm not pretending that I wasn't trying to... I was trying to sound like my idols. You know what I mean? that I grew up listening to and going, man, you know, and, and because I never got a chance to see, uh, I mean, Fugazi I did get to see because they were around still and all that stuff, but I never got to see Minor Threat or Nation of Ulysses because they broke up well before I was able to go out and see shows and, um, you know, Hoover I missed when they came through and these other bands, you know, that, that, that I started catching on, like, you know, uh, and then, then you find the bands that are doing what you like now and you can go see, right? So you go see Bad Religion. I think my, one of my favorite shows was Bad Religion, Green Day, uh, All, and Seaweed, when I think when I was 15. And that was, you know, that was a, it was a great show. 
and, uh, and it, it's like one of those most memorable shows ever, right? Because all those bands went on and just, you know, they were, they were a big deal, you know? But you, you're trying to emulate these guys that you grew up listening to, and, and that's why you start, people start going back to these things going, hey, man, my brother, like, you know, I, I, I can only assume that these kids who are doing music like Braid, or, I mean, I heard a band from here that sounds just like Captain Jazz recently. Their, their whole thing, you know, you know what the new thing is? At least around here, I don't know. But like putting out tapes, people are putting out tapes. Yes, again. yes, I am very familiar with that. Yeah, it's I've heard a few and other places doing it. it. It's it's really neat because I, I like I'm, my friends like this, this guy that I know. He's like, hey man, my band just put out a tape. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Like, and it, and and it was it was so cool. And um and then this guy showed me this other band, and they sounded just like Captain Jazz. And all I can all I can think is that either they they you know, they they were in sixth grade when Captain Jazz got introduced to them, like I was when my threat got introduced to me. And now they're old enough to try and play and emulate it and all this sort of stuff. And it's just, it's it's really amazing. It's really amazing to see sort of that cycle, you know, happen. Yeah, and, and, and you really explained it well. I mean, just having the... I've I've kind of thought just because I'm one track mind about emo, but just there it did it was the punk it was the new wave it was all and it's just this cyclical thing and um, that t- it totally makes sense that it's just it's it's just a different name the whole time. Yeah, it's a different name and, and it's just people reinventing what the last people did right. So so what what they were doing in the '90s, the people in 2000 were trying to do better right, and that's where you get. Fall Out Boy and all these other bands that were that were coming out and doing really honing that sound that the ninth started right, and then you have the resurgence in in late 2000 to early 2000 now where we are now where people are trying to take it back to what they feel like is are the roots of this right, so that's that's those are my thoughts right yeah it it makes sense completely that they're you know like i always feel like there's bands that were left or bands that were wow they didn't record it well enough or they the the, the song wasn't as good and then the band after them that loved them got bigger i always yeah. feel that that happens yep. <laughs> and, and it, and it, but it really does and and they'll cite that band forever as an influence you know what i mean um you know and, and you know for myself I, I i've been lucky enough for me to 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 see somebody, some of these bigger bands cite Brain as an influence, and it's it's really like wow, you know, that's that's amazing for me to feel, right? It's amazing, and and, and it's the same thing for me though. I cite these other bands as, as having been influences in my life, and and you know they they you know some of these bands that I grew up listening to that, that didn't do anything, they didn't they 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 got to a certain point and then they were done, you know, and and it, it's just. It's it's a, it's all a cycle, man, and it, it's it's amazing, and I I only hope that it can continue. I mean, the, the state of music, and and where we are with you know copyright laws and all that other shit, and, and music stealing and music giving and ripping and whatever. I, I don't really have a lot of commentary on that, except that I just hope that it can be sustainable for for musicians at some point. You know, I would love if if you know my my I would love it if the U.S. I mean were socialized in terms of you know, medicine and everything else, but also that it supported its artists, you know, like like places like Sweden do, right? Why do you think you have so many heavy metal bands in Sweden or Norway or Canada? You know, you've got all these bands that 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 are subsidized by the government so they can go and do their art, right? And and 
the the problem with the U.S. is, is if you're an artist, they expect you to starve, you know? And, and now, so more than ever, right? I mean, especially as a musician, right? You, they expect to have to pay for it. They Hopefully, you, you make money on tour now, you know? I mean, you have to go on tour to make money. So. But anyway, that, that's the only thing I'll no, no, it's fine. No, I think are you um just overall, I mean, are you stopped on the street? Is there are there people that a guy comes up to you with us with us, you know, a stroller with two kids and um and he's like, "Oh my god, Chris Broach." I mean, does that ever happen? I I always I always inv- I have daydreams about it. I I think that'd be hilarious. Um, not about you specifically, just in general. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, yes, it it does happen from time to time. Yeah. That's I mean, awesome. it, you know, it depends where I am, right? You know, it's not going to happen in, uh, you know, in, in small town in Wisconsin when I go visit my grandparents, right? But, but you know, it depends where I am, of course. But, you know, I work at this place. I work at um, this Internet company, right? And uh, uh, there are a lot of people there that, that I didn't know were into Braid or, or any of my bands. And people keep coming up to me. In fact, lately, people have been coming up to me and are been telling me, oh my God, did you know that that guy, like I just told him what band you were in and he just freaked out. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, it's, it's funny because these guys, like I, I work with all these guys and, and we're just regular guys, you know, we just hang out and go to work. And, um, and it's, it's a, it's a large company. It's a large internet company. And, you know, I, and, and so, you know, I do a lot of fun stuff. It's a cool, it's a cool environment. It's young, but you know, like it's not the kind of place where you would, think that people would be there are some people that are like cool and happy like oh cool the guy who gave me my first tattoo by the way works there which is hilarious, oh, hilarious. i ran into him like after i got started there because my fiance got me the job there and after i got started um i ran into him like holy shit what are you doing and i know him from back in the day from shows he gave me my first tattoo which is a june 44 sailboat get For out me- it's a june 44 sailboat that's hilarious yeah 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 <laughs> That's so, awesome. I mean, I was, you know, it was 94 and I was 18. You know what I mean? And what? he did it at home with a home tattoo gun, you know? Oh, that's awesome. We have, yeah. at the emo night, we have people showing us their tattoos. And it freaks me out sometimes. But it's awesome. Um, yeah, we've seen some pretty crazy stuff. Um, I think people come just to show off their tattoos. But, yeah. Well, they thing. must. <laughs> <laughs> I, wish, I wish we were doing that emo night in New York. It sounds like it was much better. Our, our emo night. What night is yours in New York? It's the first Thursday of every month. And actually, Bob was supposed to DJ it last month, and then he had a change of plans. Um, oh. Yeah, it's 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 been funny. We've been doing it about a year and a half, and each month it's less people that know us because they're sick of coming and they don't care. But it's yeah. all these older and other people that just find out about it, like a friend from um, right. a, like a comic book company was like, I can't believe this is going on right now. I'm coming every month. And well, he brings people awesome. and it's crazy. That's awesome, man. So I think well, with, the, for the you guys we too. Had, we, were, we were doing it every, every Wednesday. I think that was the problem. It was every yeah. Wednesday night. So it just gets, it's like, all right, I can only come here the same 90 songs. <laughs> a couple, a couple of Wednesdays in a row, without getting bored, you know. And we started having guests, which helped too. Like when Eric Richter from Christie Front Drive did it. Um, it oh, was, nice! It was amazing. That's... Eric, you know, has such a breadth of knowledge of that scene, and so his stuff was so different from if, you know, um, someone from Texas is the reason did it. It was so different, and that's what's been right. making the night, you know, um, so cool about it. That because um, I mean, that's fun. Yeah. yeah. 
they don't care what I play because I have I have a crazy you know obviously collection of this, but they don't care what I play. They want to hear you know what other people play. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, well, no. If if uh, I think uh, I think we're gonna try to make that happen. So hopefully that that'll be super fun. We'll have a little uh, NYC emo night. <laughs> hey, that'll, that'll be time, man. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, just finishing up, you know, I I'd love to kind of I, I again I want to note that you guys are relentless. I don't think I have talked to a band that seems more determined and focused. And when you guys get together in that room and from all of us, like, please don't stop. But what's next? Like, <laughs> you know, what's, what's, what's next for you guys? You, you talked about the new record for braid, talked about some firebird band. What's next? Oh, well, you, you guys so, are doing the tours, yeah. you, you know, firebird band, everything. Uh, well, I'll tell you, man, I, I, you know, braid, we've got those tours in August. We, and we, we've got a couple of festivals we're playing uh, in uh, Florida for the fest, and I play, and we're playing, I think, Fun, Fun, Fun Fest in Austin this year in November. And then our, our goal is to start getting the whole band together in the late late 2012, start putting this record together and demoing it, and then figuring out what the next step is. But our plan is to re- braid for braid to release the album in 2013, the new album. And, and uh, hopefully we'll have uh, our, our goal, my goal, I don't know what Bob's goal is, but it's pretty much going to be the same as mine, I'm sure, but to have 15 to 20 songs and pick, pick the best ones, and then, and then maybe the other ones end up on a B-side somewhere or whatever. Or, and then, um, and then uh, you know, we haven't figured out where we're recording yet, but we're going to do it with, I mean, you know, we, we love Jay Robbins. He's done our last two things that we've recorded, you know, um, the last EP, we, we just put out that EP that he recorded, and he recorded Frame and Canvas back in the day, and he knows us well and, and knows what we sound like, so I feel like he would be the guy to go with, and so hopefully we're going to get to work with him, um, but, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see what ha- what happens, because we're just trying to figure out what's, you know, we all live in different cities, right? Bob and I live in Chicago, Damon lives in Nashville, and Todd lives in Milwaukee, so Getting it all together is difficult, but if we can make it happen, it, it, it's definitely going to be 2013 when the record comes out, and then we're going to do some more shows next year. I mean, I think we're planning on doing some bigger festivals and hopefully doing some overseas stuff next year as well. But, uh, and then with, with Firebird Band, we're, we're finishing, actually putting the finishing touches on, on the new album now. Uh, I've, you know, I'm three songs in with the vocals, but we've got about you know, eight more, nine more to do. And then, uh, and then we're just going to figure out whether we're going to put it out ourselves or whether we're going to have a label do it. We haven't figured that out yet. Um, just because, you know, I mean, there's no reason we can't, I mean, I have a label myself anyway. It's like, well, maybe we'll just do it ourselves, you know, but it's, again, it's just for the fun of it. And hopefully the the next step for the Firebird band is to start playing out. But we've really just been concentrating on the record because it's just two of us now. And, uh, we're going to do to play live is, is hire some guys and, and, and just figure out how to, you know, figure out who's, who's going to be the live band and, and how we're going to do it live because it's a lot of, it, that, that band's always difficult to do live because we have a lot of um, sequence stuff happening a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. That's, that's something that takes a little, little time to put together, but Braid's never very difficult to do live. We've got <laughs> two, two guitars, bass and drums, and two guys that like to, the one guy that likes to yell a lot and another guy that can sing. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, <laughs> Well, I think, you know, Chris, it was great to have you. I think it, everyone on the podcast that, that's listening, I'm sure, is super excited. And there's um, 
you know, I think to have you guys be a part of this and, um, you know, kill, still making music. It's not like I'm talking to you and you're like, yeah, I remember back then. And no, you guys are still doing it. And I, I just want to, you know, I'm not um, kissing your ass, but I think it's fucking great to have you guys back. Hey, man, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Cool. I, I wish we could have gotten to some of those tour stories that we were going to talk about. <laughs> so I have some for you, but we'll, we'll, we'll save that for next time. These take heart, they debate from these hands. The tosses come and go dead. He lies, a business plan. One man, not Hello, Washed Up Emo fans. Thank you for listening to this podcast over the last nine plus years, or if it's your first time, welcome. It has flown by, and I appreciate each and every one of you for listening and for this current episode you're about to hear. I do have a favor of you. I have some books out right now called Anthology of Emo, and Volume 2 was released last fall. I really think you'll dig it if you haven't heard of them. It features guests from the podcast, including Jim Atkins from Jimmy World, Chris Conley from Saves the Day, Travis Shettle from Piebald, and John Bunch from Sensefield. I've also reprinted volume one so you can order both check out the diy publishing at anthologyofemo.com